You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about losing the human touch in counseling. We read The Loss of Our Humanness in Counseling Today 2023. Now, Heather, this article was really talking about the way that our healthcare system provides care for people. Mm -hmm. And you and I are thinking about how counseling is impacted by some of the same things. Right. So the first point was um, the value of making a connection. Right. It's especially more difficult um, as we use more and more technology, right? Um, especially if we're doing virtual sessions to really have that connection. Um, I kind of have a standing rule for myself. It's not written or publicized anywhere, but I don't prefer to do virtual therapy unless I already know the client or at least they've been to my office a couple of times because mm-hmm. I'm looking for that connection. Right. <laughs> so that's how you're trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what a- I wonder if we can think about or describe what that is to us. Um, What is it? So you're saying it's something that you feel like you can't get online. You can get it when you meet someone. Mm -hmm. What is it that you can get online? Or I'm sorry, the other way around. Right. I think, and and I will say it's doable online. I just Mm -hmm. don't think it's the same. I think Mm -hmm. there's a barrier up Mm -hmm. when you're online, but it's sometimes you don't need to worry about it. But for me, I like to have that connection with clients where they seem more relaxed when they come into a different space. Sometimes if you're doing virtual therapy and they're in the environment where some of the hard things are, they can't completely unwind. They can't completely have a safe space. Mm -hmm. I think what if I said, I'm thinking about when I first started doing a lot of telehealth and prior to COVID, I'm, I think ever I'd had one um, person that I met with virtually and it was hard. I didn't like it. So when I started meeting virtually, I remember that my neck muscles would really hurt Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and my head would hurt. And it was a different kind of a headache that I I couldn't identify. Right. And my eyes hurt. Um, And I, and noticing that and trying to like adjust my chair and adjust where the screen was and all those things. And I think it took me a couple of weeks to realize I was being so effortful in trying to convey myself over the screen that I was kind of leaning in, that I would like my facial expressions were a lot bigger, which is what the headache was about. You're trying to strain to see if you can see their facial things or changes. So um, that may like I through that thought about that the value that I felt like I was missing definitely in those Mm -hmm. first couple of weeks was both what I'm communicating and what I'm receiving. Right. Both ends. And so it felt like this big disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I and then I was working so hard to overcome having to be on screen that right. it, it literally hurt. Right. Um so I think it's me expressing me. And then it's also mm-hmm. being able to take in them mm-hmm. like what they need to mm-hmm. or what we need to assess from them. Right. And so on the first side, me expressing me, I think um I think or my worry was that I could be misunderstood. 
Yes. Because people wouldn't catch the expression or catch the tone. Right. And so I, I would be, so I, that was uncomfortable mm-hmm. to me. So there's value in that to mm-hmm. me. Um, that they, and more than just my words or my expression, that maybe I would joke. Right. And, and that could be misunderstood. Right. Or that just the full, the, the big picture of me would be missed. Right. Um, I think I still I still have a couple of kids actually that I work with and have never met in person. I've never come in. Yeah. Um, and just this past Christmas, I had saw two kids that I've never gotten to see in person, but because it was Christmas and school was out that they week, came <laughs> they came in. And I remember even even then, still I think feeling disconnected. Or wanting them to wanting to prep them, so I told them a little bit about, about coming, mm-hmm. and I went. So I told them about the office a little bit. I told them that my dog comes to the office mm-hmm. with me, um, and then I and trying. I don't know if I was preparing them or protecting myself. Um, I told them, I think that you're going to be surprised when you see me in person. Oh. And they were mm-hmm. um, one of one of the kids is a girl and she is she is kind of preteeny 13 okay. um, and has definitely already hit a growth spurt. Right. And so she walked in and looked down <laughs> to look at you. <laughs> and I told her before. Right. You're like, I'm just giving you a warning. Um, I knew I could tell from she and I meeting on camera that that was true. Um, But she was surprised. She was sweet about it, but it still felt like a disconnect that Mm -hmm. we didn't know each other in that way. Right. Um, And I think then on the other side too, that um, me wanting to really understand them or really um, feel like I know them or, or feel like I'm making a connection with them is also hard. And I think I, I probably do different things or try to accommodate in order to meet that need but it's to me it's hard yeah it is trickier for sure there is another like layered element when you're trying to connect virtually because you're not getting to just to see almost like no it's because it happens for them too right they're on camera talking to you and especially at the beginning i would have clients be like so still mm-hmm. they would be I'm like are they even breathing <laughs> like yeah. they're so still so they, felt they felt uncomfortable with like how it was working and i think that all of that goes away when you're meeting a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think this is true of me. I think probably, I would think that a lot of counselors think that this is true of them. There is a quality in what I do that isn't about what I know. Correct. That's that, perfectly right, described. That, yes. Um, and that if that's missed, then we're missing a huge part of what counseling is. Right. Um, so I can know a whole lot of theories and the names of sure. a bunch of old guys that made stuff up, but mm-hmm. um, to be with me in a room, you feel empathy or you feel what I'm feeling or you feel my reaction. Right. And it, that's missed if you right. aren't making a connection. Right. Okay. The next point in the article was to notice or see uniqueness in each person. So if we're, we're the people who are the helpers, mm-hmm. um, what's the importance of noticing some, noticing each person or seeing the differences in each person? I think part of it is about what each person, I'm going to say tolerate. That is probably not the exact word I want to use, mm-hmm. but knowing which each side of it can tolerate as far as like changes or shifts or different things that happen uh-huh. in therapy as as progress happens in therapy, mm-hmm. it it could be very different. 
Mm-hmm. Even if you have okay. similar. So as we're, um, if we're the helpers and, and you're saying like, if we're looking for change or we're mm-hmm. looking for differences that um, being able to, the connection that you have with someone helps you to notice those differences. Right. Okay. Right. I was thinking, maybe I was thinking the other way around, or the, like kind of the inverse. Min, yeah. yeah the flip side of that, mm-hmm. that, um, if we're noticing that the uniqueness in other people, does that mean that we're like changing for each one of those people? Are we are different? Are we interact differently for each person because of, because they're different? Um, I think we probably do change a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like a little bit, because obviously if I'm talking to a 17 year old girl, it's probably really different than how I talk to a married mm-hmm. people <laughs> just in, in context of therapy. Mm-hmm. But also it shouldn't be so far off the, your normal personality that it would be weird. Like you shouldn't be playing a character, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Shouldn't be, you know, they should still think, oh yeah. But, okay. So like generally all of my clients would have, um, would describe me in generally the same way. Right. That they would all say, oh, Sarah's kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. And, um, she does this one funny thing when I'm yeah. like, you know, Oh, she, Oh, that's a good, yeah. yeah. Like, you, do you know Sarah's thinking face? Mm. Mm. <laughs> and they could probably all right. do mm, right. the thinking face. Um, so they're not missing like who I am, but I might adjust um to be understood by them correct maybe yeah i think that's a great mm-hmm. way to put it i think that idea and the the idea that we're talking about is complicated for a supervisee yes very complicated i think for a supervisee they're like trying to find their place and they don't a lot of them have the i don't want to do it wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't want to do it wrong then you have this pressure on yourself to do it right and that gets in your way sometimes of just being who you are hmm. i mean um, think about the clients that will walk into your space and immediately take off their shoes, put their bag down and yeah, like true. flop on your couch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's still you. Even the next client that comes in, you, they would never act that way, but yeah. you would still respond to them the same way. Oh, right. Welcome. How's your week? You know? Yeah. yeah. I have supervised. Uh, I can think of like a handful of people that I supervised that weren't really confident in that or didn't know how to handle that and did try to change or adjust for each person. Okay. Um, like, oh, I think you and I both had an example of this. A supervisee that dressed differently. Oh, yes. Because they thought that's what they were supposed to do. Right. But it really made them not themselves. Right. They, it made them feel uncomfortable in who they were, but they thought they were trying to meet the needs or of the of the client right. or be sensitive to the client. Correct. But really, they probably would have done better to just, be themselves. Right. Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that, I think that leads us to our last point, which is find your own balance. Correct. Um, when I think of that, I think of, you know, you could, this could happen with any theory, the application of any theory. And if you're trying to do it the way you saw it on a video, when you were in school, <laughs> it's not going to, right. It's not going to be it, you. Yeah, it's, it's not going <laughs> to, right. It's, it's going to fall flat. Right. Um, another way I describe this when I'm talking to somebody about play therapy activity or an art, um, a, an art directive is that, you know, I, I think maybe in one of my first jobs, um, I did so many experiential things that the mm-hmm. other counselors were always asking me like, Oh, what's that? What are right. you, you, know? are you doing today? Right. <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? Can mm-hmm. I borrow it? And when they would want to borrow my activities or ideas, I would say, I mean, you can, but it would be like me telling you how to paint a painting. Right. It's not. 
You have to paint your own painting. Mm-hmm. So you can use my idea. <laughs> right, like here's my, you can borrow my feelings checkers, but probably when you play feelings checkers with someone, mm-hmm. it's, it's just going to be a little bit different than when I do it. Right. Or if you borrow my book that has a lot of art directive ideas, mm-hmm. the way that you've seen me use it will end up being a little bit different than the way right. you they right. use it. Um, so how do you, do you have any examples of how you have, worked to find your own balance or maybe what time when you did it (laughs) i um had a similar situation when i was oh gosh i don't know uh, before i was a supervisor i was part of a group like a i'll call it like an intervention group for different things for different techniques to use and we only met like once or twice maybe a semester if you're looking at a school calendar but I always found it to be like the most like frustrating thing when you'd see like the perfect thing demonstrated, right? Your mm-hmm, mm-hmm. professor or colleague comes in and they give you this great idea and this is how you should play Jenga with these questions on it. And immediately my brain's like, tell me the questions. I need to know all those questions. Mm-hmm. What questions are on your Jenga? Uh-huh. Instead of just thinking through like, well, it doesn't, their questions aren't going to give me the information I want. The questions need to be my questions uh-huh. that I would ask clients, not what my supervisor or what my colleague would put on because they may not make the most sense. Right. Right. I think, um, this was very, very early on. I don't think I was even seeing any clients at all, even in school, no Mm -hmm. practicum, nothing. Nothing. I think I was just observing someone for a class Mm -hmm. and the whole assignment was you go observe, then you ask, you know, your, I'm getting to know a counselor kind of interview questions Mm -hmm. and then write some kind of paper about it. And my paper, I think, um, I did not communicate well in my paper, but what I basically said was that counselor seemed weird and I don't think I would do that. <laughs> and I think that was true. Right. That it for seemed me, weird. For and... me, that would have been a weird fit right. and it would not have worked for me to do that. It doesn't mean that it didn't work for them. Correct. So I think that it did. Looking back, I think, well, if I ended up um interacting with that counselor a little bit more mm-hmm. shadowing a little mm-hmm. bit more and so i got to watch them do more things and realized oh that's perfectly reasonable for them right. or that makes total sense that that's how they responded or that that's the activity they chose also still seems weird if i'm going to do that right i don't think I'm it wouldn't be that. you right. right um and that's the part that i didn't know how to communicate mm-hmm. in my paper was not that that person did anything wrong. It just wasn't the way that I was going to end up being a counselor, right. the style that I would take. Right. Um, have you ever worked for an agency or in a situation where they told you what theory or what model to use? Um, I've never worked for anybody that told me what model to use, but I have worked for an agency where they told us what we weren't allowed to do. <gasps> and it was all the stuff that I love to do with clients. Bummer. Like we weren't allowed to make messes and we were working with kids. Good. Well, they weren't right <laughs> i was like <laughs> i don't actually know how to work with kids without allowing space for a mess yeah like i just don't know how you're not works. like in you're not like encouraging them right they happen right it's normal and it yeah. happens and sometimes completely you could be playing with something you think is not going to make a mess but guess what yeah um i think I, or i have worked in places where there was a manual and you this is week three session, session two, two you're so here's checking it off the checklist yeah um and even uh, probably when I was first learning EMDR and the idea of a protocol that felt so limiting and not like me. Right. That that was a little, that was an adjustment at least. Um, now, knowing more about EMDR, feeling more comfortable with it, um, 
protocols kind of a harsh word for it i don't know right i would call it a protocol that sounds like a script right (laughs) um and it's not that so it's more flexible than that but i do think i even when i'm given a script or a manual or something to follow i end up interjecting myself Mm -hmm. into it so it is more of a balance it does feel more like me well and you look now that you have more experience and you've had a number of supervisees and a number of clients to come through you're like okay i'll do it this way this time because it might be more appropriate to fit what the client needs but also more appropriate for where i want like what i'm Mm -hmm. looking for Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so we definitely you and i definitely and we think that most other counselors would also value the connection um the other steps involved in this um, i think we're saying take time and practice and finesse right it really takes a lot of finesse i would say yeah um thanks today for listening to supervision with a vision heather and i want to hear about unique ways that you work to connect with people and always we would love to hear episode suggestions thanks